0: Let's turn again in our Bibles to Second Timothy, chapter two. We'll maybe try and pick up where we left off last Lord's day. Second Timothy. We're in chapter two, Chapter two. And we're going to read from the verse 15. So 2 Timothy, chapter 2, and the verse 15. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of God. But shun profane and vain babblings. For they will increase unto more ungodliness. And their word will eat as doth a canker. Of whom is Hymeneus and Philetus. Who concerning the truth have erred. Saying that the resurrection is past already. And overthrow the faith of some. Nevertheless the foundation of God standeth sure having this seal. The Lord knoweth them that are his, let every one that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, and some to honour, and some to dishonour. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honour, sanctified and meet for the master's use prepared unto every good work. Flee also youthful thus, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. But foolish and unlearned questions avoid, knowing that they do gender strengths. The servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, in meekness instructing those that oppose themselves. That God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. Amen. We know God will stamp with his own approval and blessing this reading of the Holy Scriptures. Now, my text this morning is taken from 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 21. And it says, if a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honour, sanctified and meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. Now my theme today is the decision and determination of the vessel. Uh, last week we started looking at the subject of vessels under the heading, the description and declaration Of the vessels. And on that occasion I said before you three things. About the vessels. We thought about the mentioning of the vessels. I told you there was 303 references in the Bible. To the word vessels. That's a lot. The first reference is in Genesis 43 and 11. Um, The vessel was. um, Filled with the best of fruit and spice. uh, A present from Jacob to Joseph. And that's significant. And we thought of these 303 references to the word vessel, that the word vessel, therefore, must be important. We must take it into our mind. Uh, the, the Holy Ghost has, has something to say to us about the usage of the word. Then we thought about the meaning of the vessel. We asked, what does it mean? I, I, I told you. <coughs> That uh, uh, the reference to a great house in verse twenty uh, is a reference to the visible professing church and the people, the people in it, and we thought about the uh, kinds of vessels, uh, one to honour and one to dishonour, and I said and I sought to prove it that from the context. The vessel of dishonor was the false professor who had no real testimony to the saving and keeping power of God. He had no desire to honor God uh, or live for his glory. He didn't put God first. He was not burdened to live uh, for him. He he didn't mind spoiling his testimony. He was cold. He was careless. He had an outward profession of true religion. He was shallow. He just made a claim uh, to salvation, but he had never been changed from the inside out. Uh, the true believer is represented uh, with the vessel of gold and of silver uh, and that's a precious property uh, who belongs to the Lord we closed with the thought, the marking of the vessel the vessel of the gold and silver have a mark a seal uh, to prove that it's genuine and we we talked about the the, the the mark of the Christian is his attitude to sin and iniquity in his own life, in the life of the church and in the life of the country. Now that brings us today to verse 21. And the theme for today, is, as I've already said, the decision and the determination of the vessel. If we were to interview, if it was possible to go back in time, a young Dame Mary Peters before she ever became a Dame way back at the start of her athletic career and asked her um, how far do you want to go in the field of athletics in sport and I have no doubt and this is on record um, I want to be the very best that I can possibly be in my field and surely that's true of other um Uh, sportsmen and women from Northern Ireland. And I thought, but isn't that the summary of every true Christian? Isn't that the mindset of the true believer? What do we want? We want to be the very best that we can be for God. I I have a book um, in one of the 15 boxes that's in my study, uh, written by Oswald Chambers. It's an autobiography. And it's entitled, uh, My Utmost for His Highest. And that was the motto of Oswald Chambers' life. He was a Canadian, by the way. Um, And I thought, well, you know, isn't that it? Here's Paul telling Timothy... Timothy remembers a young man, a young man that Paul has uh, led to the Lord, a young man that no doubt he's helped train for the ministry, a young man who's now pastoring this church at Ephesus. uh, And uh, Timothy, as a young man, is naturally timid. He's easily discouraged. He's in need of much encouragement and help. And Paul tells him in 2 Timothy chapter 2 what he is as a true Christian. And there's a sevenfold description here, and we're not going into it this morning. But one of those descriptions is, Timothy, you are a vessel for God. Timothy, you're a vessel for God in his church. You're a vessel of honor. You're a vessel for Christ. A vessel meet for the master's use. This morning, you and I are the same if we're born again of the Holy Spirit, if we're washed in the precious blood of Christ, if we have the knowledge that our sins forgiven and we have peace with God and God has sovereignly exercised grace in our lives and brought us savingly to Christ and God has changed us. Remember, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All <coughs> things have passed away and all things have become new. Then let us realize what we are. We are vessels. Tell yourself this morning, I'm a vessel in the church, a a vessel that has been honoured by God, set apart for him, a a vessel made for the master's use, a vessel for Christ. I I want you to realise what you are. Uh, Paul wanted Timothy to encourage and help him to realise what he he was. And once we realize what we are, then this desire, this determination will be there. The mindset of the sportswoman, I want to be the very best that I can be in my field. Or the model for life of uh, Oswald Chambers, my utmost for his highest. Then that desire and that determination will be there. We want to be the very best that we can be for God. And surely that's true individually, that's true of our families, that's true of our church. That has to be true of our denomination. Now, I want us to focus in on the words this morning. Um, First of all, in the text, he shall be a vessel unto honour. And I want you to think of three things. I want you to think of the preciousness of the vessel. A vessel of honour. A vessel that's precious to the Lord. Now, turn with me this morning in your Bible to the book of Ezra. If you can find Ezra. Remember, last week I made reference to Ezra chapter 8, verses 26 right through to verse 28. In Ezra chapter 8, verse 26, and I'm reading. I, that's Ezra, even weighed under their hand 650 talents of silver, and silver vessels and hundred talents, and of gold and hundred talents, and twenty basins of gold of a thousand drams, and two vessels of fine copper, precious as gold and I said unto them "Ye are holy unto the Lord the vessels are holy also and the silver and the gold are a free will offering unto the Lord God of your fathers now here's a piece of detail that you could easily pass over you might read that and think to yourself well that's mere trivial information in the book of Ezra think of the weighing of the vessels By Ezra the scribe. Notice the mention here of weights. Of measurement. And weighed unto them the silver and gold. And the vessels. Even the offering of the house of our God. Verse 25. I want you to understand this morning. That there's nothing trivial in the Bible. It's all by design. And it's all by purpose. Maybe I should back up a little bit. Ezra lived in the days of the prophets Haggai and Zechariah. That was at the time when they ministered for God. And you'll read that, of course, in Ezra chapter 5 and the verse 1. Then the prophets Haggai. Then the prophets Haggai the prophet and Zechariah the son of Edu prophesied unto the Jews that were in Judah and Jerusalem in the name of the God of Israel even unto there. Now I want you to notice that in the days when these prophets were ministering for God, that the work was at a standstill. If you go back there in chapter 4 and verse 24, it says, Then ceased the work of the house of God, which is at Jerusalem. So it ceased unto the second year of the reign of Darius, king of Persia. Then the prophets, it means at that time. Now, now let's try and get the picture. The work of the building of the temple was at a standstill. There was a day when it started, and there's a day when it stopped. And for a period it has stopped uh, for almost 13 years. And we could really say, well, a bit like our own building work. And what was happening here in the days of Ezra was that the devil was fighting tooth and nail against God's work. And sadly for a time, the devil had ex- succeeded. And these true prophets came along to stir up the hearts and minds of the people, to encourage them in the name of the Lord, to, to uh, call them back to the work, uh, and to, to get them to, to do something for God. Remember at this time, God's people are in exile they're far away in Babylon. A long journey lay ahead for them. A journey that was going to take four months. A hazarded, difficult journey. They had baggage to carry. They had personal belongings. And they were going to use not only uh, donkeys and camels and wagons. Um, so much stuff to be taken. They, they couldn't carry it all by themselves. Some would have carried their personal belongings, no doubt, on their back. And Ezra the Scribe knew about that. He knew as well that there's an enemy lying in wait for us during the four months of journeying from Babylon to Jerusalem. So as with the scribe, as part of his job, thinking about the safe conveyance, not only of the people, but also of the sacred vessels <laughs> from Babylon to Jerusalem, each vessel was subject to a careful scrutiny. There was a careful infantry made of each vessel. Ezra the scribe made an account of each piece. He counted them. He described them in a book. He even weighed them. And eventually, one day they would arrive in Jerusalem, four months later. And on that day that they arrived, in fact, it was the fourth day, the books were to be opened, the vessels were counted. The vessels were examined and the vessels were weighed just to make sure that they were an exact weight when they left Babylon. No bits had been chopped off. And you can picture the scribe one by one, counting the vessels, one, two, three, four, examining the objects and then weighing them. Now, Now there's a message there. Tying in with the preciousness of the vessels. We too are on a pilgrimage. We're in a journey. And we have got something for the house of God. And every one of us, when we arrive there, must give an account. (coughs) Remember Ezra counting the vessels, examining the vessels, and weighing the vessels. And oh, that we could see this morning that we're pilgrims on a journey. Pilgrims who had certain things put into their hand. Pilgrims who've been entrusted with many precious things by God. Remember, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Pilgrims who are told to take care of these precious things. Pilgrims who are told to carry them to the house of your master. Pilgrims who are told don't lose anything. Pilgrims who are told when you get there the book will be opened and there'll be a counting, there'll be an examination, there'll be a weighing. And pilgrims that are told you'll be held to account for what is in the book. Every one of us as children of God are pilgrims. Every child of God as a pilgrim has been entrusted with precious things. We've got treasure to take care of, to present at the New Jerusalem. And one day, as I'm saying, the books will be opened, our names will be called, and we'll give an account according to what is in the book. Think of the counting of the vessels, the examining of the vessels, the weighing of the vessels. These vessels of gold and silver were exquisite works, they were very ornate, they were highly valuable. These were vessels of worth. And whenever Paul used the expression to Timothy, a vessel of honour, He had to think about the preciousness of the vessel. The vessel was precious. Now isn't isn't the vessel a picture of us in the Christian life? A picture of you and me? You and I are valuable and precious in the sight of God. You and I are are treasure in the sight of God. And if you think about um, the preciousness of Christ... Doesn't First Peter two and 7 tell seven tells us he is precious. In First Peter two and six, he's called the chief cornerstone. He's called the lact. In fact, we're told that he's precious. That that's one of the descriptions of Christ. He's precious to the Father, but he's also precious to us who believe. And and Christ is. In us the hope of glory, the preciousness of Christ. Think about the preciousness of the blood. First Peter 1 and 19. Know you not that you're not redeemed with corruptible things such as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish. Think of the preciousness of faith. Um, 2 Peter chapter uh, 1 and verse uh, 2 uh, talks about having obtained like precious faith. And of course there's a subjective uh, element to faith. Uh, we could talk about the element of trust or the, 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 the placing of our trust in Christ. But there's also a, an objective um, aspect to faith. Uh, that's the body of truth that's been entrusted to our care. Remember the Bible tells us buy the truth and sell it not. The Bible tells us hold fast the form of sound words. That was Paul's advice to Timothy. He was to think about the precious deposit of faith that had been given him. Not only the preciousness of Christ that he bore testimony to. Not only the fact that he was washed in the precious blood. But this preciousness of faith that was given to him. We live in a day when people don't think That it's wrong to change the Bible. You think about the multiplicity of new versions that are on the market today. And I have to say this morning, sadly, that they're not faithful reproductions of the text of Holy Scripture. There there are many dangerous uh, changes that have been made that that have corrupted uh, our Bibles. When I think about versions of the Bible, I have to confess I think of only one version. The authorised version. There's only one called the authorised version. And to me, um, uh, 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 and to our denomination, that's the most faithful and reliable, trustworthy translation from the ancient Greek and from the Hebrew. And here's another aspect of this treasure. The preciousness of the faith. Think about the preciousness of trials. The Bible talks about the trial of your faith but being much more precious than a gold that perishes. Think about the precious promises. See, there's five references to the word "precious" in Peter. I'm just re- repeating them. Second um, Peter uh, chapter one and verse four. Seven thousand three hundred promises in the book, according to Herbert Lockyer, that are all "yea" and "amen" to us in Christ. Now, now think of pilgrims on a journey, carrying a testimony to Christ, because He's the precious one. He is our treasure. We have this treasure. What is the treasure? It's Christ and the gospel. And we have been washed in the precious blood. We've been covered over. We're not unclean. And we've got our faith. The gospel has been defined in words. Centered in the person and work of Christ. Yes, we face trials and difficulties, but the Lord is with us. We can raise a testimony despite the pain, despite the difficulty. We can hold on to the promises. And we're not to lose this treasure. We're to hold on to it because it's worth something great. You see, what Ezra was basically saying to the pilgrims don't lose what you've been given. Every vessel matters. Know oh, that we can understand today your life and mine is of immense value to God. It is highly precious to him. And Ezra, of course, underscored it with the thought um, that these vessels were holy uh, unto the Lord. And maybe we could even tie in the context. We we thought maybe a number of years ago of uh, Ezra chapter 8, verse 21. Um, then I proclaimed a fast there at the river of the Hava. this is before the journey started, that we might afflict ourselves before our God to seek of him a right way for us and for our little ones and for all our substance. Now, now let's get the point. When they started out in the journey, they gave themselves to prayer. Every vessel was precious, they even prayed about them. We're taking them up to Jerusalem. We're going into enemy terrain. The enemy's lying in wait to rob us. So let's make it a matter of prayer. Seeking God's guiding eye. Seeking God's guarding hand. Do you know, as pilgrims with this treasure, we must pray. It's a sin not to pray. We need the Lord with us. We need the Lord to journey with us. We we have to say, Lord, take us safely to the heavenly Jerusalem. Lord, bring us safely to your house. Lord, you've got a right way for us. Lord, the enemy's going to wait for us. The enemy's going to attack us. See, these people lived in light of the day of arrival. One day they would arrive at Jerusalem. And that would be a day of accounting. They are going to look at every item. And Ezra was telling them, watch till you arrive in the house of God. Because that day of arrival is a day of accounting. Take care lest one vessel be missing. So they prayed about the children. They prayed about their substance. They prayed for the sacred vessel. Oh, that we could grasp today how precious we are as pilgrims on a journey to God. Keep in mind the need for watchfulness. Let's live in light of the day of our arrival in the Master's house. Don't let the devil rob you of all the treasure that you have. You're a pilgrim, precious to God. I have to say this morning, I, 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 I love to preach the word of God. I, I love you as a congregation that God has entrusted to my care. I, I, and I look around and, and I be fearful in that day of arrival, in that day of accounting, lest one should be missing in that day. One lost, one out of Christ, whether it be man, woman or child. We're not here forever. Do you know? The truth that you're going home to glory. Do you know you're the Lord's vessel? That you're precious to him. And he has given you a treasure that you're carrying all the way home to glory. The preciousness of the vessel. If we go back to our text, I want us to think very quickly of the preparedness of the vessel. Uh, Think of the words in the text, And meet. For the master's use and prepared unto every good work. You see, I want you to think of the dedication of the vessels. Whenever the temple was built, eventually it took seven years to erect. I think it was two hundred thousand men that were working on it. There was no noise; they built in silence. But in that day, the vessels were brought. They were devoted to the Lord. They were set apart exclusively for his use. In other words, they were set aside for the Lord. They were his property. They were handed over to him. Now, I want you to get this. There was a time and a day of decision. And a determination was made. God to given them to him. I know that we could grasp this morning something sim- simply. When we're saved by the grace of God. We belong to the Lord. We're set apart for him. We're dedicated to him. Let me illustrate this if I can. Hudson Taylor, who was um, the founder of the China Inland Mission, is now the Overseas Missionary Society, did you know that he was a medical doctor? And in fact, he went to Charles Haddon Spurch Church. He may have even been a member there. And on the 25th of June 1890, he was in Brighton for the weekend. And I have been in Brighton. He was on the beach, and I've been on the beach a number of times. Walked on the sand there. And Hudson Taylor on that day, 25th of June 1890, was fighting with God in his mind. He said to God, and he records this, I want to stay here, Lord. I've got my medical abilities. I can be useful in in healing and helping others. I'll be of better use here. I don't want to go to China. And you know, by the end of that day, walking up and down the sand, he had to kneel before the Lord. And this is what he said, and I quote, Lord, take my life and let it be consecrated. Lord, to thee. He was using the words of Francis Havergill's great hymn. And of course being the founder of the China Inland Mission to this very day there's millions of Chinese people have been converted since the time that he went there. And we could talk about other missionaries Amy Carmichael, David Brainard they all had the same mindset Lord here am I, take me. Even the great John Calvin uh, 1st of October 1540 he says he records in his diary, I no longer belong to myself. I've said lord here's John Calvin, take me, and you know that that that's that's the uh the dedication that 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 that's required if we're genuinely saved. remember Paul says in Galatians chapter two and verse twenty he he, he says um I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Now, now think of something else. In the preparedness of the vessels, think of the departing of the vessels. Because there is one day in history. These vessels that were dedicated to the Lord's use in the temple, Nebuchadnezzar came to Jerusalem, and the temple was destroyed. And he took the Lord's vessels to Babylon. And you've got to think of the departing of the vessels. And here's Paul to Timothy reminding him that there's vessels there in the big house, vessels of dishonor. And of course there's a picture, as we said, of the false professor. A picture of the backslider. Neglecting his treasure. Neglecting his relationship with Christ. Forgetting that he's washed in the precious blood. Disobeying what's written in the book. Not purging himself from sin. Becoming unfaithful. And he allows himself to be stolen from God. And stolen from the master's service. And stolen from the fact that he can bring honour and glory to him. Let's never forget that the world, the flesh and the devil is out to take us away from that which really matters. The day of arrival and the day of accounting. Think also of the desecrating of the vessels. We could come to Daniel chapter 5 verses 2 to 4. In Daniel 5 and 2 to 4 you've got King Belshazzar. Um, there's a drunken orgy taking place do you know one of the things that they're doing they're drinking out of the vessels dedicated to the Lord and you know throughout the history of the church there have been people who profess faith in Christ people have come and said I want to get saved and they've made a claim but the sad reality is that, that sin has controlled them and they end up even though they've made a profession living for the devil, and it's a terrible sight. Let, let me tell you a little story. I remember faith mission times in Leith docks in Edinburgh, selling life indeed. Yes, selling life indeed round the pub. You weren't allowed to give them out; you had to sell them as so much a, a, a magazine. And they felt that if people bought them, they might read them. And I was in this pub in Leith docks in Edinburgh. And there was a man that I approached and asked would he liked to buy a Life Indeed magazine and he says to me, sit down, sit down. Big rough voice. Of course I was terrified. Uh, terrified to be in the pub anyway, but terrified that this man had said sit down. So I said no thanks and he said sit down or something I want to say to you. So I sat down, he offered me a drink and I wouldn't take any, I, maybe i, I end up taking an orange to please him. And he told me a story, he said 15 years ago I was like you. He says what do you mean? He says, I used to wear that same blazer. He said, I was a pilgrim. And he says, I want to tell you, I had made a profession of faith in Christ. And then he says, I have to confess, I got into trouble in my family, domestically. Trouble between me and my wife and the relationship. Got into trouble at work. And he says, I ended up in jail. And he says, Look at me now. I'm an old drunkard sitting in a pub. And he says, I've no thought nor fear of God. And I pleaded with that man to get right with God. And you know what he says to me? There's no hope for me. And I will have to confess, I was thinking about the desecrating of the vessels. And you could think, I was reading about another minister, he was talking about some piano that was bought for the glory of God and dedicated to the Lord's... A house that was used to uh, sing the gospel from and gospel hymns were played and it ended up in some pub in London and the pub owner took great delight in saying what church it had come from. There might have even have been a little sign uh, and now it's been used to, to play the devil's song in a pub. You think of churches that have been closed, that were open to the glory of God, that are now Sikh temples, that are now mosques, that are now warehouses, that are now bingo clubs. How sad! It's a sign of apostasy, it's a sign of a falling away, it's a sign of the desecrating of the vessels. Think of the deliverance of the vessels. You see, in the book of Ezra, there was a remnant that came back. And they carried with them 5,400 vessels to put into the new temple. And these vessels were rededicated to the glory of God. And there's a way back. And that's what I told that man in the leaf docks. There's a way back to God from the dark paths of sin. There's a door that is open that all may go in. At Calvary's cross is where you begin. When you come as a sinner to Jesus, come and say, Lord, have mercy in me. Can I honor God even after being in a period of backslidden? And the answer is yes. You can be a credit again to him. You can be cleansed in the blood. You can be set apart and used for the master's use. You can again be put into his service. You can be consecrated to the Lord. Do you know one makes a difference? I was thinking about this yesterday in Bushmills. One makes a difference. It was one vote that brought Oliver Cromwell to power in 1649. Just one vote. Thank God for that one vote. That became the basis of our parliamentary democracy. It was one vote to execute Charles I. Do you know that in America there was a big decision one time about whether to use English or German? And it was won by one vote in 1776. It was one vote that brought Adolf Hitler to power in Nazi Germany in 1923. One vote made the difference. And, and, and you could think this morning, but I'm a nobody. I'm no use. I want to say this morning, you can be a vessel delivered and bring credit and glory and honor to the master. And you can be consecrated for him and set apart for him. And the Lord can use you, but you have to make the decision. Just one decision. We'll close this morning with the purging of the vessels. It says, if a man therefore purge himself from these. Purge himself from what? Well, ultimately it has to be from sin. And if there's a spirit of selfishness, then we've got to purge yourself from that. If it's a spirit of slothfulness, then we've got to <coughs> purge yourself from that in the Bible talk about keeping ourselves in the love of God you know it's hard work being a Christian isn't it reading the scriptures giving ourselves to prayer attending the house of God making a sacrifice for the honour and glory of his name why do we do it? we do it for his honour and we do it for his glory um, purging our, ourselves from from, from um, uh, not living for him having one heart in mind having a single mindset I'm going to live in light of that day of arrival. I'm going to live in light of that day in accounting. I've been given this treasure by him. It's precious. And and I'm going to make sure when I get there, I'll hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter thou in to the joy of thy Lord. The purging of ourselves will keep us from departing from the Lord and keep us from desecrating ourselves and bringing dishonor to his name now I, I leave this thought with you uh, th- this morning it 's not exhaustive. I, I thought about doing a further study in the thinking of vessels, but we may not i I just don 't know what the lord's leading would be, but it 's a tremendous study in itself the study of vessels in the bible let 's just think of the preciousness of them and the the, the prep preparedness that 's necessary, and there 's got to be the purging. May the Lord take these few thoughts and bless them to our heart.